this week on Invasion of the Podcast, the king is dethroned. We blast off to the planet Rylos and talk about the last Starfighter. And we have a sweet 16 of not-so-sweet 80s things. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the realm of tension. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we're trying to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul, and to my left is always... Steve. Yeah. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and it's just like, and your name is. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to continue on about Condor Man. Not really. I hope you guys enjoyed a much longer conversation about Superman and Condor Man than I anticipated. It was fun to talk about them, and now I will now banish all Condor Man knowledge out of my head and hopefully keep all the Superman knowledge. Which is funny because I'm writing a lot of Condor Man fanfic these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, do you go out and see if you could do it before your Condor Man fanfic? Because like, yes. that's the whole thing is like, well, if Condor Man can run up to Hot Dog on a Stick and steal a hot dog, then I should be able to, too. You know, And that implies the Hot Dog on a Stick is still around <laughs> and that Condor Man is a petty thief of street food. I don't know. So uh, this week we're going to be looking at Last Starfighter. That'll be fun. Uh, we do have an announcement about the year of the knockoff. We'll get to that at the very end. Uh, a little weird programming just because of reasons. We'll get into that later. Uh, so... Weekend discussion. We watched a lot of weird movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just start off, like, what, where, what rabbit hole did you fall down? So I think I mentioned this maybe on a previous podcast where I mentioned it to you, but um, I picked up, uh, there was a five pack of the Phantasm series uh, at Walmart for like 15 bucks. And I'd only ever seen the first two. So it's like, oh, I'm like, it's $3 a movie. I already own the first one, but I'm like, for that money, I can just you know pick this up and um, you know basically works out to three bucks a movie. Um, and I sat back and uh, went through the Phantasm series, uh, and I have to say, one, I have so much more admiration now for Don Coscarelli, um, who's the writer. He, he directed all of them, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and Bubba Hotep. Um, five is not directed by him, but he produced it. Okay. Um, but what's interesting about him is just that, like, he kind of he had a, a very independent spirit about making these movies, and like, it's certainly a non-traditional horror franchise in the sense that uh, it's very wide open in a lot of ways. But at the same time, like, the same characters occur through all all five movies, which you also don't get in a lot of horror films. Um, you have a lead character by the name of Reggie who. Um, he's sort of the everyman and he's not your typical Hollywood everyman. Like hmm. he's a balding guy with a ponytail <laughs> and a guitar and two shotguns like fused together. Like it's, <laughs> it's very Is the guitar fused with the shotguns? Cause then you have my attention. No, no, wow. it's not. But he's an ice cream man, which makes it even more. Okay. Now you have my attention again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, does he drive around with like uh, a Clint Howard? Like in the- <laughs> <laughs> no Clint Howard in the oh. movies, but, uh, I will say that, uh, you know, for each movie, you know, you could tell that the budgets were shrinking, but he kept it as big as he possibly could. And I thought that was a really cool way of doing the series. And the fact that there's literally almost 40 years between the first one and the fifth one 
and like you know anger scrim who played the tall man in the series he passed away about two years ago um you know he's in all five of them reggie the character is in all five of them um and it's interesting like how the thread continues for five movies um, with only one actor being replaced in the second movie, and not because of his choosing, but because Universal, who was making the second one, wanted to recast the role. Huh. So yeah, the, there were some weird rights issues I know for a while with those films. Which I, here's my admission: I have not seen any of the Phantasm films. I'm, I'm I'm familiar with the the Tall Man, and I'm familiar with the the Silver Ball with the blades. Yeah. Um. You know the the Quidditch or the, the Snitch. That's it. The <laughs> the Snitch. Um. <laughs> And, and I'm familiar, and I know that Phantasm Five came out about two years ago, yeah. and people were excited, and I know, just not that you need to root it for me, for a film made that far along with you know, actors, clearly, you know, the, the gentleman who played the tall man passed away shortly after filming. Does it still kind of hold up the legacy of the other films? Does it kind of still feel like a Phantasm film? It, oh, it definitely feels like a Phantasm movie. Um, it's certainly the most CGI heavy. Um, the other films... While they had some CGI in like three and four, they're still very practical films. Okay, I think where the fifth one took was that like we're so low budget that it's easier for me to create a lot of this in Photoshop, and I shouldn't say Photoshop. I don't know what software they use, <laughs> um, but that's what just popped in my head. But uh, video toaster. <laughs> um, five sort of started as an exercise where they're like hey let's go do some some screen tests because i watched some of the special features and it was like oh you know we could do something cool with this and make it a, a phantasm movie because it's not coscarelli directing it's um uh, a friend of his whose name i can't remember now unfortunately um <laughs> but uh, uh i wish that was his credit so and so director and friend <laughs> of don coscarelli but it it hangs very much and sort of ends the series in a kind of great way. Okay. Um, I I certainly would recommend, and this is the thing that I'm like, why didn't I watch these movies before? They're just a lot of fun. Like, there's some some really like, I don't even want to say like off the wall humor, but just some some things that are sort of not humorous but. Um, peculiar i guess is the okay. best way of putting it and the adventures are big even though the budgets are small and that's a lot of fun to watch okay so. I, I i look forward this is this is definitely a blind spot in horror franchises and i know of it i just just never got to it i don't know why yeah and i'd only seen the first two i i think honestly going back to why i didn't watch three or four was is that like when they came out they were direct to video and they had that thing i had that i had that thing of oh it's direct to video so it's not good enough for me to watch which clearly was the douchiest thing ever <laughs> but like um you know i, I think never, there's way douchier things out there than, uh, than judging a made direct to video movie i feel like i went through a period in the 90s where like i didn't watch anything if it went direct to video unfortunately so okay but uh, well i mean to be fair there that was the time when there was a lot of cash grabs of like well did you want a sequel did you want a sequel to aladdin it's going to be directed right video. <laughs> and we're not going to get rob williams we're going to get the voice of homer simpson Dan to voice the genie yeah, yeah. <laughs> gilbert godfrey's still available he's always available but that's fine you know yeah so which is weird because i would watch a lot of you know terrible movies like you know i i <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of some of the terrible things that I saw in the theater. Well, just throw a dart at the Hell, uh, Hellraiser <laughs> franchise, and you're going to find after three, 
Like, I mean, of course, you made me. You made us watch um, uh, the one, whatever Revelations. Your pain was exquisite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was the lamest configuration. I think I made that joke at that time, but yeah. So I, I want to check out. Um, like, I, for for Christ's sake, I watched all four Critters films for this show. I should watch Phantasm. So yeah, that's cool. I want to check it out. Um, and I and, and I should get to it. I I'm so bad about the list of things I should get to versus what I actually watch. And I'll just say. Like if you see it at Walmart, I mean, yes, it's it's uh, fifteen bucks, but you get five movies for fifteen bucks. The version of Phantasm that's on there is the remastered edition, which just came out recently. The version of Sc- of Phantasm Two is from Scream Factory, so there's a ton of special features on that. Um, I believe three, four, and five all have audio commentaries on them as well. Like you get a, a crazy amount of value for like 15 bucks. So if you see it at Walmart, pick it up. Yeah. And again, there was rights issues there for a long time. So some of the films weren't even available for the longest time. So that's cool that they're all together. Um, so yeah. So I, did you see anything else weird? You watched four or five Phantasm movies over the weekend. Yeah. I, I mainly kind of was take, my time was taken up by uh, the tall man. So. That's fair. Uh, so I just real quick, uh, I uh, was at a friend's house. We're watching some weird movies. Uh, we decided just, uh, so I decided to punish people, not with phantasm. Cause I'm sure that was enjoyable. Uh, long time ago here on the podcast, I mentioned the, the, the 12 hours are terrible and the six films there. And one of them was 1973's the baby, which I happened to pick up on Blu-ray about six months ago and had not watched it since. Cause that's not the kind of movie you go back and watch over and over again, but you know what? So I've not seen a single Phantasm movie, but I now have seen The Baby twice, which is all about, it's a 70s movie. The social worker goes to this house in California uh, where it's a mother and two daughters. They're like, she's older, they're grown up, and there's a 20-something male child as well, but but he's basically, for all intents and purposes, an infant. And it becomes a question of, is he being forced to act like a baby or is he just developmentally disabled in that sense? And the film doesn't always give you the most answers, but it's actually a pretty competently made film all the way through. So it's twisted and weird and disturbing in the sense that you have a grown man making baby noises. And then you find out later that they lost some of his own vocal stuff. And so they added actual baby noises. So it is a bizarre film and I made my wife and my friends watch it. So that was wonderful. And then we ended up watching, uh, what was I had it here listed? Um, Demons from 1985. It's an Italian horror film. Um, Spoiler alert, it has one of the most badass scenes involving a motorcycle, a samurai sword, and a movie theater full of demons. That That's <laughs> worth the price of admission for that film. Um, but yeah, it was some it was some weird movie watching this weekend. And I watched The Last Starfighter and the first Pacific Rim. But those are, really don't qualify with, with the weird that we were getting into. Yeah, I mean, it was unintentional that we would both watch horror classics or horror um films from the 70s and 80s and i guess I, maybe that's why we're friends and maybe yeah. that's why you know maybe that's why we're talking now um but yeah it was a weird weekend so anyway uh enough about that let's just get to let's get to the news good news everyone so Black Panther was number one for like five weeks in a row, which is that's that's kind of unheard of in this day and age of, of box office because everything's always programmed for each weekend to have its big first weekend and then kind of trail off. Right. So as of this weekend, it got dethroned. I will mention that in a second further. But I just want to mention that because this weekend it actually surpassed the Avengers and domestic ticket sales, meaning it was the 
Uh, it's made the most movie of the Marvel films, at least domestically, and it's on pace to end up knocking out like Iron Man 3 and uh, Age of Ultron worldwide. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean... I don't know how else to put it. Like it's a juggernaut. Like there's no other way to describe it. Um, yeah. I was uh, in Target uh, yesterday actually, and like I saw like a bunch of shirts, and like there's even Shuri shirts now. Like Black <laughs> Panther is he's 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 uh, sort of like the Batman of 1989 now. Like it's that's, I think that's it's a good example. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they bring it back out for like when you get closer to award season, if it doesn't show back up in the theaters again, because there's talk of that, you know, like it's a good film. It's worth seeing. It does make me wonder, like Infinity War, which is the one that like 15 films have been leading up to. Yeah. If it doesn't pass Black Panther, is it a failure? Like, I don't understand. That's the one with all the heroes in it and Black Panther. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah, I don't know. Like... <laughs> I do wonder with like, that. Disney's going to be like, oh, it's a failure. Let's just, let's just go make more Black Panther films, which I'd be okay with. But it feels like that would be a weird way to kind of end your big, like, you know, moment with films. Well, they're going to make Black Panther 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, no matter oh, yeah. what. But, yeah. um, you know, I don't know. Like, I do wonder, like, what's the bar at this point? Like, <laughs> Jesus, the movie made, like, yeah, it, it made, a ridiculous it, yeah. amount of money. It like, made a, a whole mountain of vibraniums worth of money. You know, you um, can only go down, I think, in some respects, like, for the amount of money that it made. Like, so, I, so like, let's say that um, Infinity War does does as expected. So, it, gangbusters, right? And then the next movie after that is Ant-Man the Wasp, which Ant-Man was on the bubble about getting a sequel because it didn't make enough money, but it definitely made... A bunch of money like i feel like it's also again showing up at the wrong time to the party like i don't yeah. know what's gonna happen and, and the trailer yeah. looks fun yeah like, i'm, I'm uh, excited to see the movie yeah. but like yeah it does feel like that sort of like uh that last uh you know <laughs> we're, we're have the biggest movie of the marvel universe and then a movie about two people that could shrink themselves just just bear with it right. they're gonna get real tiny <laughs> after this really big movie you know, whatever. But well, I mean, every time that I think that, like, and I'm not at all in rooting for Marvel to fail, but I was just like, oh, maybe Guardians isn't going to be the thing that they, you know, think it's going to be. And then that was huge. And yeah. then I was like, I'm like, God, oh, Doctor Strange is such. And this is coming from somebody who reads comics. Like, even in the comics community, he's an acquired taste. So I'm like, oh, maybe Doctor Strange isn't going to make a lot of money. Blew up. Yeah. So like. It's hard to predict. Like, if, if if I'm betting on anybody at this point, I'm betting on Marvel to succeed because, like, so far, so many <laughs> movies, like, they're just, you know, knocking them out like gangbusters. So, yeah, and I'm sure, um, I think towards the end of the month of April, we'll get more into that because uh, we're going to uh, hopefully, uh, in programming, we're going to hopefully talk more about Infinity War when we get there. And plus, it's this show. Can't go a show without talking about Marvel. Uh, so, um, Black Panther was dethroned, right? For the like it the number one oh, film. That's right. That's what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. The number one film this weekend <laughs> was Pacific Rim Uprising, which by the way, I saw a note that of eleven of the twelve weeks of the box office for twenty eighteen has had a number one film with a divulge um diverse like multicultural cast that's great i think that's yeah. pretty and the thing is like until someone mentioned it to me i wouldn't have thought about it which shows that like hopefully that's becoming like no one's thinking like overthinking that i think that's great that it's like oh it doesn't have to be just a bunch of white people having problems or a romantic comedy i don't know i don't know what what, what popular movies are but <laughs> pacific rim is all about robots fighting monsters, right? So I, uh, Steve has not seen Pacific Rim. I showed him some robots fighting monsters. Like you get the idea, um, and it's amazing. I, the first movie I like a lot. It's not it's not a perfect film. 
It's Guillermo del Toro, you know, guy who just won Best Picture for, you know, Shape of Water, making a movie about giant robots operated by teams of two people fighting these crazy monsters. And I really enjoy the movie. The sequel, um, I had fun with. Uh, let me just tell you about my viewing experience. My my challenge is seeing Pacific Rim Uprising. So I decided to wait till after the weekend just because, I don't know, I, I'm becoming an old codger of going to see movies and I try to counter-program my time when people aren't going to be in the theater, which probably isn't the best for that individual film, but it's better for my viewing experience. Um, I decided to wait till Monday to go see it. And then so Monday morning I'm at work and I'm wondering why lights are flickering on and off and whatever. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to buy my ticket because I work on at a different part of Cleveland than I live. And I bought the ticket. It was great. And I was the only one in the theater. Like and I kept checking and there's only one seat sold. It was my seat. I get into Definitely my place of work. Definitely not what the makers behind Pacific no, want to hear. They don't want to be like, this movie's so good, you're going to be in a theater by yourself. Um, <laughs> the Uprising will just be you leaving the theater after watching the film. Um, so I went and then went to my place of work, and they're like, oh, by the way, we're having power issues. You can just go home and work from home. And I'm like, but I just bought a ticket to this movie. And so I had to go through and get it canceled and everything. And then I went home and I'm like, you know what? I can still see that movie. So I ended up on my side of town catching a late showing and I, I ended up buying like the single ticket. And I'm like, sweet, I'm by myself. And then about an hour before showtime, I see two more seats purchased. And that like they're it's not directly in front of me, but it's to the front and to the right of me. And I'm like, please let these people be okay. Like, don't yeah. let them be jackasses. And it, it turns out to be these two high school kids that were like chatting through the whole credits like not credits the the previews and uh, and eventually when we start i just i just kind of said guys can you keep it down and they did something i wasn't expecting they're like they're like oh hey thanks for telling us and do you want us to move oh wow and i said no you're fine you know what you need to do and then like the movie's going on and at one point, they, they they turn to look at me. They're like, "Sir, like, who's that guy from?" Like, they point at the screen about what the characters. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I was like, I don't know the first Pacific Red film. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, the one kid turned around. I was like, "So what'd you think?" Like, they were actually like they were kind of aloof and like you know oblivious, but they weren't assholes. Yeah. So I don't know. It was okay, but <laughs> it was a really weird experience to be like, keep it down. And now you're going to ask me movies about the cast. Um, mini review of the film. It's definitely it's a fun movie it builds upon what happened before in ways that you're not expecting. That's not necessarily a good thing. Um, there's fun robot fights. There's fun robot names because when you have something called saber Athena, you know, you're in for a badass robot. Uh, John Boyega takes over, uh, the one of the main leads. I think he's going to make every movie forever. Now just being charming and funny. I think that's his goal because he's basically playing Finn, but with an accent. You know, that's what it feels like to me. Well, Finn is his fake accent. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> he's, he's British. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, but I think he's supposed to be affecting more of um, oh, I don't actually. He he's the son of Idris Elba's character in the first movie, Stacker Pentecost, and Idris Elba's British. So maybe it's just his accent. I, I didn't think about that. It's actually just him talking normally. Probably makes sense. Uh, Scott Eastwood's in this film. He looks like his dad so much right now. It's scary, except he has a little bit more muscles. So I kept thinking the entire time, I kind of want to see a Clint Eastwood robot film, but I know it'll never happen. But it's just great to see Scott Eastwood. At one point, he was just like, shit. I'm like, he sounds like his dad. Like, right. it was weird. <laughs> it was really weird, you know? But yeah, it's a fun movie. It The, the action is easier to understand going on the screen than the most recent Michael Bay Transformers films. No. Um, 
And it also feels like to me, I'm not a Power Rangers guy. I will pass my time, right? And people were excited for that Power Rangers film. I can say this feels more like a Power Rangers film in the way the robots attack the monsters. But in a, it's, it's dumbed down. It's fun, but it's not stupid. Okay. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. where it, it, it almost nosedives, but it doesn't do that, you know? So it's, it's an okay sequel. I don't know if it reaches the heights of the first film. I will forever love the first film, but it's certainly okay. If you like robots fighting monsters, you know what you're getting. Well, that's certainly a review. I think they should put that on the post. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie. It's a movie that you want to go to the theater and see by yourself that has robots fighting monsters, if that's your thing. <laughs> Pacific Rim 2, it's robots fighting monsters. Pacific Rim as well. You know, again. Again. Um, I just, yeah, taking it, like we are talking about this before the show, taking the sequel away from Del Toro, because they did. Uh, which is crazy from, to me. Like, why? He, he just went off and made uh, Crimson Peak, which is beautiful. And then all, also Best Picture, Shape of Water. Yeah, let's not let the guy that knows what he's doing make a sequel to a film that he like handcraftingly made, like yeah. he loved into existence, that involves robots fighting monsters. Whatever, you know, but eh. It just, it, it's <laughs> Pacific Rim Uprising. It's okay. I It was fun. <laughs> Whatever. I, you could do worse. Another one for the poster. It's okay. Yeah. It just didn't. Well, because I, I've had this talk before with other people where we feel like we live in a time where if something isn't the absolute best, it must be the absolute worst. Right. And this is neither. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a bad film. I might end up just buying it when it comes out because I will probably. It's it's a, it, The first one's worth your time and attention. The second one, I could certainly put this one on the background and probably doing something else and be super happy when it's on and watching the robots fight. Well, you know? I mean, I, I don't want to go back to Phantasm, but I'll, <laughs> I'll say that, like, you know, when it comes to sequels, like, there comes a point where, like, I, you know, I'm sure there are people who are big fan, Phantasm fans who can dissect those films a little bit more critically. Whereas I was watching them, it was just like, these movies are a lot of fun. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't have as much of an invested interest in them. Like, I, was it a series that I grew up with? I, yeah. I mean, I did grow up during that time, but I hadn't ever gone past the second film. So, like, my interest in them was just sort of like, oh, I've got these movies to watch, and they're fun to watch now. Um, you know, so I, not everything has to be. You know, the. It's very rare that a sequel exceeds its original anyways. And like, as long as it's a good, fun sequel and you enjoy watching it, that should be enough. And and, uh, and, and to be fair, there there are story beats that I didn't know because I didn't read a whole lot about the movie because I kind of, the reactions were kind of lukewarm. But then my friends on Facebook were like, it's dumb fun. I'm like, oh, let's, I'll go do that, you know? Um, but so there was some things that I didn't expect. So that was good. Um. Again, it's a completely made movie, so you can't go through and, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, my first reaction sometimes is tear things apart, and I've been working to try to actively not do that. And this isn't a film that you want to go in and tear apart because, ultimately, you get what you pay for. It's fun. It's as advertised. Um, I don't regret seeing it in the theater. It was fun. I saw it in 3D. It was fun. You know, like, yeah. it just it is what it is. And I... If, if my worst outing in a theater is Pacific Rim Uprising, I'm doing something right. You know, right. that so whatever. Well, um, that's, you know, and again, I realize I'm going back to horror, but I remember when Freddy versus Jason came out, like people were like, the hardcore fans were like, oh, it's not good. It's not what I wanted. Da, da, da. I had so much fun watching that movie because I'm like, it's like an hour and a half of, you know, just every like, you know, 
dumb movie like fun that I I, I so I can't imagine like not watching that movie and having fun. I just I thought it was a blast. Like, did you have more fun with that or Jason X in the theater? Did you see Jason? I didn't X in see the Jason X in the theater. I, I had a riot watching that movie in the theater because people in the audience were hooting and hollering whenever like all the dumb stuff was going on. Yeah, like when Jason took the hologram girls and just beat them against a tree. Like people were cheering. <laughs> it was so much fun. So like I you know I understand that like from a serious standpoint of like oh I wanted it to be this very serious horror film with these two icons. Whereas just like I'm looking at it as like you know frankenstein meets you know abbott costello so yeah <laughs> like but, but i'm just like oh i'm like it's a big dumb fun movie and yeah. i i dug that so yeah so um you know what we'll, we'll go into this next story because i feel like this is actually right and then we'll end up with the because i had a certain order but so you you mentioned sequels not necessarily reaching the heights of the the originals um, so you had pointed out a story that there was an interview given recently by um, uh, Simon Pegg talked about why he felt Star Trek Beyond, which was the third film, why it failed at the box office. Mm-hmm. And he blames the marketing of the film. And I I can agree with that because he feels like that that the because he was brought in to help rewrite the script at a certain point. So production was behind. Uh, Paramount didn't want to move the release date because it coincided with the 50th anniversary of the franchise. Like there was a lot working against this film and it was made in a hurry. And then all the trailers showed were Captain Kirk on a motorcycle. And then you're hearing the Beastie Boys. And he kind of says, you know, the, the movie wasn't represented well and it's marketing. Yeah, I agree with that. Like the posters were cool because it was a throwback to the original motion picture uh, poster, the first Star Trek film. Yeah. But yeah. I will say that I saw the well. I think I saw the when I say the original, I mean like the first of the Kelvin universe. I think I saw that two or three times in theater. I really dug that movie. I saw Into Darkness once because I felt like it didn't capitalize upon the freedom that and the goodwill of the first movie. Yeah, yeah. And then Into Darkness, that first trailer did turn me off. I didn't see it until uh, it premiered on Hulu. Yeah. Um, and I liked the movie. My only criticism of that movie was that um, it, again, splits the crew up. And I kind of like it when the crew is together. But that's a personal thing. I'm just I, like, I like all these characters. I want to see them to acting together as a crew all together as opposed to split up into teams. Yeah. No, I agree. But I, like, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say that, like, that trailer, the first trailer looked, it made it look like it was a Fast and the Furious movie set in star trek but it was directed by justin lynn who yeah. was director of fast and furious right so of uh, some of the fast and furious films um yeah I, so i agree with i guess i agree with Simon Pegg to a degree but at the same time it's like um had this been a good good i, I put that in air quotes a good star trek sequel i think the like the initial reviews and word of mouth would have pushed it up further um i saw i saw star trek in the theater i saw into darkness in the theater and i was so kind of that left a bad taste in my mouth um, I don't think I've actually watched that movie all the way through a second time. So when Beyond was announced, I was like, yeah, maybe. And then I saw the trailer and then I didn't see it in the theater. Same thing as you. Yeah. I ended up watching it on Hulu and I ended up liking it. And I wonder if I liked it because my expectations are so much lowered. Like in terms of like, I'm just watching this on Hulu. I didn't pay money for it. Um, 
even the Kirk on the motorcycle stuff kind of makes sense. It just it it doesn't not feel like Star Trek. It, it it it's it's fine. I feel like had they been able to shoot a film like this back when Shatner was like you know in his T.J. Hooker days, he probably would have done it. You know, and he would have been would have been funny. But it would have been he would have been like, oh yeah, I'll be on a motorcycle. It's fine. You know. So well, I will say too that like one of the things that he mentions is the use of sabotage, which. You know, it feels very out of place. I shouldn't say out of place, but it does feel very, like, unusual in the first Star Trek movie. And then it makes its re- reappearance here. Yeah, I didn't much care for that. I, like, it, well, was a, it was a good they, moment, but it just didn't... Again, that song? Yeah. It, like, they spoil it in the trailer, for one. Yeah. And then, like, when it does happen, you're like, oh, it's it's sabotage again. Like, I wish they would have picked any other song, because you're right, in the first one, they had Kirk just driving along in his, dad's, his stepdad's car. And that was kind of a fun, like, showing you that this is the world. Like, it's the future... But it's the it, it's it's connected to our world, right? And then whenever they figure out in the third movie that they could do something to cause all this chaos with the bad guys, and it requires like a loud loud noise, and someone's like, "I have the perfect song." It's like you could have picked any other song, you know, right. and it would have been like it, it's a if you if you separate your knowledge of the song from the Star Trek franchise previously and watch that sequence, it's a badass sequence. Mm-hmm. But it, it felt like. There's only one song in the Star Trek universe, and it's Sabotage. That's it. Hey, guys, you want to go to the dance club? I don't want to dance Sabotage. I'm you know sorry. what would have been a sweet... Like, you know what my wedding song was? Sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would have been a sweet deep cut? Is uh, the song that they chose in uh, part four when uh, Kirk and Spock are on the bus. With the, the heavy metal, like the, not heavy metal, the but the boombox. Yeah. <laughs> if it had been that song, that would have been amazing. That would have been great. I just think some Rage Against the Machine would have been perfect, you know, something. Oh, that you know? would have been, like, if it had been, like, uh, you know, Bulls on Parade or yeah, something. Yeah, that would have been so much, like, that would have made more sense, for especially, it would have also made sense. I mean, I guess they were causing sabotage, so I guess literally it works, but whatever. It's fine. It's just that, um, I, so I don't think Simon Pegg's wrong about it. I just feel like, like, but I also feel like people are worried that a fourth one won't get made. And I know we talked about Tarantino stepping into the writer's room. It's just like, don't we know this by now that Star Trek always puts out like a really strong effort and then maybe not so much. Like, I mean, this one's a little weird because in the darkness, other than trying to force fit con into the story, it, I guess it's not a bad film, but the first one was so good. And Beyond's actually not bad. Like, I liked it a lot. I think I'd probably go back and watch it again. Idris Elba, again, he's the bad guy in the film. And he's underutilized, but he's great when he's on the screen. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, so, yeah. I So, you're right. Like, talking about expectations of sequels and everything. This felt like the first sequel of the Kelvin universe that got to, to do its own thing and not have to be held up by setting the stage for Star Trek characters and then somehow becoming a Wrath of Khan reboot too. Like, as a standalone film, I think I think it's better than some of the Next Generation films, and I think it's better than some of the original series films. I also wish that, like, and I realize how this sounds, um, you know, talking about Star Trek in general, but, like, stop worrying about whether or not Star Trek's cool or not. Like, just make a good movie. Like, yeah. I feel like that was such a big part of the way they marketed the first and second movie as well. Like, stop trying. I understand that you want to get it before as many like eyes as you possibly can in mass audiences. But if you but make a like, good film, if you it, just make yeah. a good movie, it's going to find an audience. Absolutely. So, so I sound like I'm like, you're like, <laughs> deeply on, affected. Come on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so last story real quick, just because we haven't had a chance to talk about in like the two weeks that we've kind of been between news and then talking about that that 
Condor Man film. See, I'm already forgetting about things. Talking about the film in which there's a cane that shoots bullets all the time. Um, it's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Um, Toys R Us is closing. And I'm sure you guys are aware of this because, you know, your childhood has been robbed. Uh, I, you know, things happen. Businesses make decisions. And I know that they had this like insurmountable debt because of borrowing and blah, blah, blah. blah. I don't understand the math. It was probably going to come sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And people are reacting like their childhoods are over. And that I don't understand. Well, it is kind of weird to me in the sense that, uh, so I'm just going to take you back to the 80s in Sandusky, Ohio, where I grew up. We didn't have a Toys R Us growing up. There was a KB Toys in our mall, but like, uh, and maybe this is just indicative of like the way I grew up, but like the two places that I remember getting toys the most from was uh, there was a, a chain of stores that, that was similar to like your Target today. It was called Hills. Hills. I remember we had Hills in my hometown. Okay. Yeah. Um, Hills and then Kmart. Like those were the two places where we would go and get toys. Like we never really got toys from KB in the mall because it was always more expensive. And then once Toys R Us showed up, I feel like we got a Toys R Us in the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were somebody who collected toys, they were always like a dollar higher than everybody else for some reason. <laughs> like it always felt like they were more expensive. Um, well, that giraffe guy get paid. Yeah, you know? I mean, we knew of Toys R Us growing up, but we just didn't have one in where I grew up. Um, but I do find it interesting that people are reacting to the way they are to the, to its demise. Um, I go there. I wouldn't say regularly, but like. I don't know, probably in the last 15 years as somebody who collects toys as an adult, I probably am in a Toys R Us at least every two months, I would say, at least just looking to see what they yeah. have. Um, but how often would you buy, though? You know, like you know, that's a good point. Like, uh, again, a lot of times they would have things for hire. I mean, I remember uh, when The Last Jedi came out as well, they did a midnight sale. So, like, myself and my partner on the Saturday Slasher, Ryan, we went to the midnight sale to go buy toys. Uh, us and a bunch of other 40-year-old men, which is really <laughs> depressing. Um, but uh, we went, and, like, they barely had anything anyways, and we were just like, why are we here? Like, uh, and... You know, I, I guess I understand. Like why does the Snoke figure like fall apart in two pieces? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. I mean, I I guess I understand why people are upset in the sense that they feel like they're losing something from their childhood. But it's also that thing of like I see people romanticizing Blockbuster a lot, and I know that you worked there. <laughs> but I was the most romantic son of a bitch. That was like, you guys. You don't remember how great I was <laughs> working there. <laughs> but I feel like, in the same token, like I feel like Blockbuster killed a lot of the mom and pops. So like I don't have that romanticized version of of Blockbuster in my head where I'm like, oh yeah, no. I miss going to Blockbuster. I mean, I do. I miss going and renting movies as a physical act because it felt like you were making a choice. Yeah. Um, I don't miss going up and down the aisles and finding all the DVDs and Blu-rays that were slashed because people that would have drug problems were going and stealing us blind and they'd leave all the movies in the bottom shelves slashed open. I don't miss that. Um, I don't miss the parents that uh, would just leave their kids in there like it was a play pen. I don't miss that. I also don't miss people not understanding the idea of, I rent a movie today. It's due back in two days. What do you mean there's a late fee? I don't miss that. I don't miss people taking open <laughs> fountain drinks and dumping them into our return box just because they thought it was funny. You know, I don't miss any of that. All right. I'm sorry about that, but it was funny to me at the time. No, but like I look at Toys R Us in the same way that I looked at Blockbuster in the sense that like, you know, it wasn't 
it, it was just another chain. Like it wasn't indicative of like my experience growing up. So yeah, the only thing I'll say is um, someone mentioned that they 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 are sad that they won't be able to give their their uh, children the experience of going to a toy store like like Toys R Us, and I uh, that I understand from a experience sharing standpoint. That is sad. I, I'm sure that there's going to be a similar experience somewhere because there's too much money in toys for it to completely go away. Yeah. Whether it means that um, Target and Walmart expand their shelf space, who knows? Or if, um, I know people are like talking about, um, excuse me, that K&B may come back. That, I don't know about that. That seems a little loosey-goosey to me because that guy bought that name like two years ago and now everybody's like, KB, save us. It's like, I don't think that's going to be the case. So I still think there's going to be opportunities to go and let your kid run wild at a toy store. Um, with that said, though, I did go... To a, K- a KB. No, no, I didn't. I went to a Toys R Us today because it was funny. I was at work and one of my friends just messaged me. He's like, hey, you want to go to Toys R Us? I was like, I never thought you'd ask. And so we just went. <laughs> and it was weird because it felt picked over, but all the prices were slashed by 5 and 10%. That is not a good... That's not a good like sweeping the shelves discount to yeah. me. Like uh, like it, to me like while working the last days of Blockbuster when we first did like the 5 and 10%, people come in and basically like, you know, spit on our grave and be like, "Why isn't this cheaper?" And then they leave and wait a week or two until the prices came down. And then they come in and be like, "Why is there nothing left?" You know. You, man working <laughs> making minimum wage. Why is this cheaper? I just yeah. work here, man, and yeah. I'm going to lose my job. Yeah, everyone's just like, "Oh, it's about to happen sometime." I'm like, "Thanks." You know, like, great. I appreciate that. Are you hiring? No. Okay. Well, then I guess you can just buy your seven copies of uh, Twilight and move on and go on about your way. But it was just weird going in there because it's like things were a little picked over. And it, like, and you could tell that the employees weren't straightening the shelves again because why would you? You know? But it was just kind of like, kind of going through like the ruins of a childhood where it's like, well, I guess this is all messed up, but I'm not buying any of it. Like it was just a weird, kind of just a weird experience. If you're an employee at Toys R Us right now, I would just say coast it out. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Just do the bare minimum. Like, right. I, it's, yeah. I was, I was kind of griping about the 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 ten uh, percent off, and I turned a corner, and there's an older lady with a cart. She's like, "You're right, ten percent's not a good discount." <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. I don't know, like. Um, I want to feel the bare bones of your your utter failure. Yeah, this I, should well, be ten percent, not ten percent off. I feel like it, it, the market's going to d- dictate in terms of like there will be something else take its place, right? Like like um, there are still video stores, there are still music stores. They're less, but they are more niche. And, and I feel like that might still be the same thing for this. Maybe not the same way. I don't know. I'm not that smart. Um, so the experience will change. I do agree that physically walking into a location and looking at merchandise, there is a tangible value there that I can't have just going on Amazon looking at toys. Like that would not oh, be yeah, the same absolutely. thing. So so that's a bummer. Um, but I don't think going to I don't think toy aisles are going away anytime soon and because the, there's way too much money to be had in toy sales. Yeah, and so. I mean I yeah, I'm I'm sad. In the sense that a lot of people are losing their job, I think that's that. Yes, that's I agree number with that one completely. for me. Is like, oh, there's a lot of people who are losing their jobs. It just sucks, um, you know. And as somebody who, you know, does frequent, you know, on a occasion the toy store, you know, I'll, I'll miss it. But I probably spend more time looking at toys in the Target, you know, the Target uh, toy section than probably anywhere else. 
and it'll find its way whether it's kb taking over and creating new toy stores or um, like hot topic grabbing yeah. some of that i don't know how much they do but i know like the funko pops like the, until that fades the, the fad dies down there's gonna be pops all over the place so like you know and i i would rather i would rather see something like big fun thrive um, you know, yeah, which, I'm more upset about that closing than I am Toys R Us. We'll put it that way. I, I agree with that too. So, all right, there we go. We've ruined your childhoods. Uh, childhoods? Anyway, whatever. Anyway, enough enough about news. Let's let's go back to our childhood, all the way back to uh, what year was that? Eighty four. Uh, and we're going to talk about the last Starfighter. And now for our feature presentation. So I have failed here, and normally I'd have some music, which, by the way, if you guys have not seen Last Starfighter, the score for this film is amazing, and you should go seek it out. Mm-hmm. The music's so good. It just makes you want to play video games and hope to save the universe. Yeah, and uh, uh, date, uh, I believe it's uh, Catherine Marieth, Mar- Mary Stewart, I think is her name. Uh, just, uh, yeah. Carrie Ma- Mary Stewart, Catherine Mary Stewart. Uh, she's a... Uh, Sister Maggie. Catherine Mary Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> She's Maggie in the movie, and like if you grew up in the eighties, I think everybody kind of might have had a crush on her back then because she was also Reggie in Night of the Comet. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So a little little place setting here. So I know I made the joke on the Facebook page. I know I said this last week a little bit too. That with uh, a certain film that shouldn't be named, we're gonna name it anyway. Ready Player One's coming out this weekend. Uh, and that film is about a kid who is exploring this virtual world and blah, 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 you know, immersive. And it finds out that he's special and can sit and, and do all this stuff and save the world. Whatever. It's a world of imagination. It's a world of imagination. <laughs> right. Of right. other people's imagination. Yes. But. Um, so I decided that we'd go back to this film where it's not forgotten. It's just one of those ones that isn't always in the conversation in terms of like great sci-fi movies from the 80s. Like, because I mean, after Star Wars... Like what came after that, and this came immediately after start. Like what did Jedi yeah. came out when eighty three eighty three. So this came out a year later. So you know it's it's there, and um, I think it's worth people's time. It's just that it's it's just it's not forgotten. It's just kind of pushed to the side. And the main hook of this is you have um, the main character's name is Alex Rogan, who's played by Lance Guest. Uh, who is this kid at a trailer park in the middle of nowhere, Nevada or Colorado, something like that. Anyway, it's, it's mountainous, and there's a bunch of trailers. It makes me want to live in a trailer park. It's like the greatest trailer park it you're is. ever going to see it's in a movie. The, the star bright, starlight trailer park, right? Yes. Um, and he wants to do more. He wants to be more than just the rest of his friends. Uh, that it just seems like all they want to do is go party and hang out. And he wants to go to not city college, wherever that is. He wants to go to a a bigger college. But he's also kind of handcuffed to his mom because of her responsibilities of also kind of tending to some of the needs of the trailer park. It's not quite clear, but you get the idea that, that he's a handyman and he's kind of also at the mercy of what the needs are for the park. Well, they don't have enough droids to get through the next season. So, um, <laughs> it's unfortunate. He can't leave Tatooine and his uncle. Oh wait. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, the, the, yeah, it's the, it's, it's the hero's journey, yes. right? So, <laughs> and, it's, and, and even though, um, while reviewing some of the materials around the film, the original, script of this had this taking place in suburbia much more and they said much more uh spielbergian like et type of setting uh that they moved it to a trailer park to kind of like show a different location but also get that kind of like isolated really small town 
like you're never going to get out of here type of feel. Mm-hmm. And it still feels kind of Spielbergian though when you watch it. Yeah. It's it's beautifully shot. There's a, like a wonderful like cast of characters in the trailer park. You don't get to know them very well, but they all kind of have their moments and it's 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 really it, you want you like you said you want to live there and that feels like Spielberg to me. Uh, but then so there so Alex he, he escapes by playing this game called Starfighter. Uh, and that's like his one thing that he's like good at and he wants to play this game and he gets distracted from work and his girlfriend because of Starfighter and just he wants to to go further. He wants to escape. And so he's playing this game and he goes and breaks the high score when, and the whole entire trailer park comes out to see him do it. It's like and none of them understand what's going on other than Alex is going to do it. He's going to break the record. Right. And I thought that was great. They're like, what's what's he doing? It's like, I don't know, but he's doing something great and everyone's happy for him. There's part of me that's like, God, it, it's a little corny, but there's a part of me that's just like, ah, it's it's very endearing at the same time. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Because the, the, the one gentleman who I think owns the store there, he's just like, He's always happy, and he told him, like, yeah. you know, it's like, if opportunity comes by, you got to grab it, right? And it's like, that's the theme of the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's very on the nose, but it's very sweet. Like, uh, it, like I showed this to my wife. She had never seen it before, and and I just kept looking at her. I'm like, so what do you think? Because, like, I love this movie, and she's like, it was cute. I'm like, that's kind of a good way to describe it. Yeah. It, but Because it really does wear its heart on its sleeve the entire time, and it doesn't go super dark. It's right. an, it's a fun adventure. So you find out, uh, and I'm just you know I guess telling the whole movie, but you find out that basically the Starfighter machine was put in place uh, by accident at that location. It was supposed to be in a much bigger population center. You find out that it was supposed to kind of be um, a quote unquote sword in the stone to find like the chosen that are good enough to be pilots for this armada. Uh, for the for the gun stars, these ships that they can go fight. The, sorry, the Codan Armada, so they can fight the bad guys. And so Alex doesn't know that because he broke the high score that he's now on like some people's radars for being really really good at piloting a gun star. And he kind of gets tricked, not tricked into, but yeah, he kind of gets tricked into going to the planet Rylos to find the rest of the gun star fighters and finding out there's a much bigger intergalactic war that he only thought was in a video game, and the threat is real. Yeah, and you know. I'll just back up a second here. You know, Paul just kind of gave a summation of what the film is. Um, if by whatever chance, if you have not seen The Last Starfighter, please stop the podcast right now and go watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm, I don't think I'm giving too much away. No, I don't think you are that. either. But I wanted to mention that only in the fact that, like, one of the things that I'm seeing in regards to uh, Ready Player One that I'm hearing from a lot of people who have kids, I myself do not, but they say that, like, what excites them about it is, is that it will garner interest for the things that they love from their children. You know, people who are like, oh, I don't know what that is a reference to, um, and they're hoping that that's a gateway to get them into the, the things that they love. So, um, you know, as we talk about... What's less, a DeLorean? Right. No. <laughs> you know, um, when it comes to, you know, the actual film itself, if you haven't seen it, um, I would I would definitely say give it a watch because you're you're in for a fun time. Um, it's uh, it's one that you know I've watched over the years and, and not one that I've watched regularly, but every time I revisit it, I find something new. Um, I can spend five years away from it, come back to it and be like, oh, there's something that I never caught or something. There's still an enjoyment in it. Sometimes when you revisit an old film, you're like, yeah, I can see why I liked it at 10, not so much at 40. <laughs> You know, um, whereas with this, I'm still like just kind of in uh, 
love with it, I guess, in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and so, and the other thing too is like, I chose this just because we're not, I guess we're nostalgic for it, which is kind of like, I guess hypocritical because I was kind of not want to talk about Ready Player One just being all nostalgia. This movie was made at a time when video game culture and arcade culture was in the forefront. So this this isn't looking backwards; it was looking forward mm-hmm. at the time. And and so even though it is nostalgic, and you look back on, oh, it's a kid who 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 uh, did really well in an arcade game. He ends up flying to the stars, right? Like you could certainly look backwards on that. But at the time, it was like such a unique idea in the sense of like, you know, arcades were a big thing at the time. Um, and you maybe maybe this is a skill set that could be beneficial and could be a way out. And they, like I said, they call it, they, they mentioned it as the Excalibur test or something they mentioned somewhere in there. It, and it's so so um, the gentleman who wrote the screenplay, um, uh, John, John uh, Bethuel, uh, uh, B-E-T-U-E-L. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. He kind of put the two ideas together. Like he happened to be like going near an arcade and was reading some other book about like um, like a, a king, and he's like, "Well, what if you put the two together?" And he wrote the screenplay, and there's a sweetness to it. And everybody keeps saying that this is just a sweet story, and I, I agree. And I just to be a kid watching this, where it's like, you know, you know, may, maybe if I am that good, maybe I can get called up to something. And then the idea that there's something else out there, I I, I have that fun with that. I enjoy it. I just feel like if this film, there is there is merit to it because, and we'll, we'll mention here that the director uh, Nick Castle, which has a really interesting history with film in general, uh, this was his second movie, mm-hmm. and to do something that's more when I say Spielbergian, this could have been a Spielberg film. You feel like it's in its bones, and then when you get to the technical aspect of it, which even though it doesn't look like super great now like the the spaceship effects all this stuff the gun stars all this it was done they keep saying in like the the materials like if you watch the special features they like they're like photorealistic graphics it's like nah that's not photorealistic it was pretty far ahead of its time at the time yeah um but then like you know it, you could definitely see that they tried their hardest. It looks like a video game now. Yeah, and 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 not even a good video game now. <laughs> and and it looks like later PlayStation Two, and it's fine. This was made in '84. The 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 wheels were put in place for this thing turning for the couple years before that. So they were pushing the supercomputer. It was called the Cray computer. This thing was meant for like military defense. They were pushing it to its extreme to get the looks of what they did. And so this development company called um, Creative Productions or something, I forget, they, it's something something bland like that. They basically said they could deliver the promise of making this film and then had to go write the code to make it happen. So they were not only developing software at the time they were supposed to be doing production work. It was a crazy idea. But they're like, yeah, we could do it. And then they talk about during the making of the film that like people would be in this office around this computer and then one of them would get excited because they figured out something that they couldn't do before that they said that they could do and they finally figured it out. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy watching this now. And if you can kind of remove yourself from the way it looks, because for the most part, it looks fine. Like it looks it looks okay. Time and place, right? Time and place. But just to realize like how much they actually had to scale back to show you what they did because they had much bigger plans than what you saw on the screen. And, you know, it's never going to look as good as when it first came out, but it's certainly serviceable, you know? 
Yeah, and I mean, I mean, two things right off the bat. One, uh, if you're looking for interesting, fan, uh, f- interesting uh, facts that you can tell other people about the film, the director, like at a party after you guys watch the last Starfighter. Yes, like if if you're ever like wanting to like you know up somebody in a nerd game, you can be like, hey, do you know who Nick Castle is? And they'll be like, yeah, he's the director of the Last Starfighter. You can also say, yes, but he was also the shape in the original Halloween. Um, but. Uh, Going back to also um, the director of Mr. Wrong, the hell yes. this film. <laughs> but the Halloween thing's cooler. Um, yes, <laughs> but uh, you know, going back to your description of the film, you know, now that I think about it, there is something about it like, like I don't hold, you know, when I look at a film, like for instance, uh, one of the films that I think about now in relation to this film, as far as. I don't. I, it, it's not a clear transition, but when I think of something like "It's a Wonderful Life," and for God, I, I can't believe that I'm blanking on the director's name. Capra. Capra. Yeah, there's a feel to this movie that's Capra esque, and like I would not hold like this, you know, the story that happens in say like "It's a Wonderful Life" to a modern day sensibility. So if you're watching the special effects and you're going like, well, this doesn't look that great. Well, for 1984 for special effects at that time that were done digitally, it was a giant leap forward. I think, um, you know, there had been, I think the Genesis, uh, planet in star Trek two, which is like 30 seconds worth. Maybe, yeah, they said that in this film, showing depicting space battle as like actual footage of the film is the first film to actually use computer-generated effects for those purposes. Previous to this, like you're mentioning, they would show computer-generated effects, but only in relation to computer screens. Right. So the Genesis planet, you're right, that was computer. Um, it's, it's So you see some of this stuff, you're like, oh, but it was always in relation to the display. Never like looking out a window and seeing a fight happen. Right. So I guess I guess the point that I'm trying to make is is that like if you're watching it and perhaps maybe the special effects don't hold up to what you're like, they're talking about like this, you know, like it's the greatest thing ever. Well, please keep in mind the frame, the time frame in which the film was made. Um, and I Three think Three years past Condor, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, too, the fact that the, uh, the movie has so much heart, and I think that's really where the story lies, is that you... You identify with Alex. You identify with everybody in the trailer park. You actually love all the characters, um, and the adventure that he goes on um, is just as interesting as what's still going on back home once he leaves, because they leave behind what's called a beta unit, um, which is essentially like a robot version of him, um, and you sort of see how that interacts with the people who are around him, including his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. which that that so. Um, Lance Guest as um, as Alex Rogan, it, he, he's very charming. And he has a very like aw shucks type of mentality. He's like genuine and warm. Uh, and you mentioned um, uh, the female lead uh, Catherine sister, Mary Stewart. yeah, yeah, her. Uh, <laughs> she's not a sister, sister Catherine Mary Stewart. <laughs> uh, and, and she's also very sweet too. There's a bit in the film when it doesn't even make sense that it's happening, but she turns and looks up to the sky and says, "I love you, Alex Rogan." And it's like. I love you, Maggie. Like it doesn't yes. matter. It's so good. 
and then like you have um oh what's his name uh, uh robert preston i shouldn't say what's his name this guy was a very well-known like actor and he was in the music man and that's why they put him in this film because they yeah. he's kind of a con man he plays this character called centauri that kind of has his own reasons for things and even though he chews the scenery up you love him he's like, wonderful just, he's, in the movie yeah. yeah um and i didn't realize that dan O'Hurley, the guy that plays grig who's the co-pilot um or the navigator in the, the gun star he looks like a turtle kind of yeah um that he's the old man in RoboCop, like he's the guy that's ahead of the board, yeah, like the guy, and he plays this character of Grig, who's kind of like this lizard guy with like a Herman Munster laugh, and he's so much fun, like yeah. I love it, you know, like, and it works, and and I know I'm in love with this movie, and I'm really biased. It's just I feel like if you remove some of the expectations for the 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 practical, sorry, not practical, the special effects, which. Watching this with my wife, she was like, yeah, you know, like, well, this is your first time seeing this. It's like, it's hard to put it in its context. And I don't want to defend that because it, you, you'll see it warts and all it's there, but everything else around it. I, I just, I feel like it's, it's overlooked. My only biggest complaint about the film, other than uh, the, 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 the effects I wish that it would almost be nice to see them do like an updated one, but then I feel like it might lose some of the charm if they go back and kind of touch it up a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel as 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 much as we're tired of remakes in our culture today, I feel like this is like one of the few that actually is actually appropriate for a time frame where it's like video games are more prolific than ever and it's something yeah. that every kid who's got an Xbox in their house or a PlayStation can, you know, identify with and I think that like you can actually do a really good version of this and it be you know, a a good movie, but also probably make buku bucks because every kid, you know, who who plays video games would be into it. So yeah, but it, yeah, I I understand what you mean, like it losing its specialness by being if reduced. you actually make yeah. it look like everything else, right? Because so the the so my biggest my biggest complaint is I feel like the second half of the movie it, it, it happens so fast that you lose some of the bigger conflict of the Codan Armada, like the big bads. Like you kind of like, oh, he's the last starfighter and oh, he shoots one ship. Suddenly he's going against the whole armada. It's like, whoa, whoa, you went from level one to 30, like in a hurry there. Like, did you just put a bunch of quarters in to skip everything? I don't know what yeah. happened. So that's a little, it's a little much. It, it, whatever. But you mentioned the beta unit stuff. They did test screenings where that character of the Alex Rogan beta unit, where he's a robot looking like Alex and kind of trying to function scored real well with the test audiences. So they went back and shot additional scenes of more of the beta unit. And I think it works. I yeah. think like, and again, Lance guest playing kind of like two characters. He has some really good physical comedy. Um, so I, I, the movie is funnier than it has any right being in terms of like the, the, the jokes I feel like still work pretty well. Uh, cause anytime you put like a fish out of water, like whenever Alex is on Rylos and trying to understand what's going on around him, I still think that holds up pretty well. The, the, the design of the, the sets and everything are very bland because they honestly didn't know how the effects were going to turn out. So they built the practical set, sets to kind of match anything. I, yeah. I just don't know why this movie Maybe it's because they didn't use models like Star Wars. Maybe that's why it's not so remembered back. Like, like it's not held up in the same type of esteem. I don't know. I don't know why this is one that's not on people's radars. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like in some senses it is. Uh, I know that Seth Rogen, who's behind the new Hulu series Future Man, 
uh, wanted to get the rights to the last Starfighter, and actually the for whatever reason, like the rights are tied up, I believe, with the writer who does not want to relinquish them to someone else to make a remake, and that's what led them to make Future Man. Now, granted. If somebody was like, hey, the guy who made Sausage Party wants to make a remake of your film, I get the hesitation. Um, but, uh, you know. Starfighter with dick jokes. <laughs> I, I think that, that like, it's in this weird place where it's not as, as fondly remembered as, say, like, you know, other films of that year. Your Ghostbusters, your Karate Kids. It did get kind of buried because 84 was like a huge year for film. 84, like go back and look at what came out in 84. Like it's a huge year. Um, And I do feel like, yeah, you're right. It it did kind of get buried. Um, And I think that like there is an audience for it today that I think there are people who still admire it. But at the same time, it never kind of eclipsed the 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 competition unfortunately because there's just so much 84 for whatever reason was just a wealth of movies that came out that were like all either childhood favorites or movies that are still like loved today yeah and i but again like if you guys not seen the film then please please watch it like uh the the actual like when they do like the 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 trailer park stuff and then alex on rylos like anything with involving the actors i think holds up really well um the the codan are weird looking tree people. They're kind of lumpy. I don't know. I feel like they kind of ran out of time, like and, and like money to kind of. Make. They're they're perfectly fine as bad guys. And then some of the space fights at the end are actually not bad. And it's like it's just they they actually try their best. Like the production designer who designed the gun stars, um, they when they were making it, the people that were inputting the information into the computer were surprised at how much thought he put into it because he actually designed it with the idea of actual space travel and space combat. So the thing can kind of rotate 360 with the thrusters and it kind of works, you know, mm-hmm. like that actually works pretty well, especially for the big denouement of, of being a gun star, which is the special, the special move. Like you save up all your, your combo power for your, your death blossom, which I, I don't care. I think that section still holds up really, 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 really well. Yeah. It's a cool moment, and it's not like anything I've ever seen in a movie. I will say that, like, rewatching it, though, I kind of forget how quickly they go from, like, hey, he's target practicing to, to death, death blossom. blossom. Yeah, it does go really, like, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like there was more in here, but, you know, and maybe, you know, also editing-wise, and I'm not saying that it was an editing decision, but, like, looking back on it, maybe had there been, like, a larger percentage between you know, target pl- practice and the actual death blossom, maybe it would have been like, all right, we get it. He's a starfighter. But um, I do remember watching it, or when I did recently watch it, I was like, wow. I'm like, they kind of <laughs> really go from target yeah, practice does. to death blossom really quick. So I just got to mention this just because uh, I because I can't go podcast not mentioning video games or my, my love and addiction to Overwatch. So Starfighter does have its fans and it does still stick out there. I have a t-shirt of the uh, whatever the the whatever the academy that's not what they're called but it says you know victory or death i have the logo i have that mm-hmm. shirt it's awesome but in the game overwatch there's a character his name's reaper he is uh basically a group reaper with shotguns his ultimate ability meaning you guys save up to do this is called death blossom where he rotates in a circle and it repeatedly just fires shotguns out at random targets nice and that's it 
Like that's it. Like he he did, and it's like, and I went to look up information about it, and like on the Wikipedia, it's like this is supposedly inspired by the last Starfighter. I'm like bullshit. It has the same name, so you know somebody that's programming this is like we got to get Death Blossom into this game. So I I still feel like it's 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 reaching out there. Um, this movie still has merit. I think it's worth the watch. I think this is actually a great film. Like if, if I had kids, this would be one of those great, like sitting down with and starting off science fiction films. Cause it doesn't have a mean bone in its body. It's just, it's just a fun, sweet film. The stakes are big cause the universe is in peril, but it's all about a kid who wants more and is, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I kind of cut you off there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, just that, uh, you know, what I, <sighs> Yeah, I mean, if you are watching Ready Player One because you want to, you know, get pe- your kids into the films that you grew up with, I think it would be a crime to leave The Last Starfighter out. Um, I think it's a wonderful movie, and um, again, the characters are so rich and wonderful, I can't imagine not watching that film and not loving the world that in which it was made or presented. I, I completely agree. So to wrap this up here about the talk of the last Starfighter, one again, go listen to the score. It's amazing. Uh, it makes you just want to go play video games and, and save the world. And two, growing up playing video games like I did and I know you did, what would be the video game that you would hope that you'd be the best at that they'd be like, by the way, hey, we need you to go help save the world with? Uh, ooh, you know, I mean, I played a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog in college, but I mean, as if I'm in my teen years, well, I guess that's still technically like, teen, but like, like Sonic, it's like, we, like, we need you to grab all the rings <laughs> and not get touched. I mean, I, I did play an awful lot of Mario three, Super Mario Brothers three, where he's get he's got the raccoon suit and he's flying around and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I, that, I mean, I was never going to be like double dragon. Like I was never going to be ever able to fight in that kind of a world. So nobody was ever going to be like, Hey, we need you to like kick dudes in the face. Someone once mentioned to me that they thought the double dragon would be the greatest grindhouse film ever. Cause all it would start off with is someone walking up to a woman, <laughs> punching her in the face. And then the two guys that were like, Hey, that's our girlfriend. And they after <laughs> the entire movie, it's just them beating up people to get back to her. Like, that is true. Yeah. Um, so uh, for me, it'd be Mega Man Two. I feel like it'd be like Paul. We need you to defeat robots that have unique power sets and oddly specific weaknesses. I'm like, I got this. They're like, we need you to platform. I'm like, I don't got this. So or what would be worse is like if they kind of like pick me out to like, all right, Contra is actually actually real, and you got the high score. But I'm like, I use cheat codes. Yeah. It's like I had thirty mans, and I'd steal ones for my friends when I would die all the time. Um, yeah. I feel like Gyrus. I'd actually be okay at but that's also a game set in space that i'd be like guys i can only handle this if all the enemies come at me in a tube i'll be okay i guess um, i'm lucky i never beat mike tyson because nobody's <laughs> asking me to fight mike tyson now it's like <laughs> hey by the way but like if someone needs you to go fight king hippo you could probably deal with that yeah right? yeah just punch him in the gut till his pants fell down so so to put a to, to put a pin in the, the last starfighter discussion oddly enough and i think i've mentioned this before the second book that ernest klein wrote was called armada it deals with a kid that's good at a space video game and suddenly he finds out that the world's much bigger than he seems and his skills as a pilot fighting the space force is actually needed so it's like god damn it you know like it is it is so the last starfighter it hurts well, that's interesting. It's not that... sweet and it's not endearing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's funny that you read the first uh, Ernest Klein book and then like you're like, yeah, I guess I'll take a deep dive into the second. Well, you know, at the time when we when we read the book, I was like, I 
I was like, well, people are all about this kind of like we talked about before where someone's excited about something. I was like, maybe this is kind of a, like a nice fun romp. And I hated the book. You guys can go back and listen to that episode. And, and, and I'm sure I'll keep saying it. So I was like, well, maybe he learned some lessons from that in his second book. And it's better written. It's still a, not a good book. I, so he got stronger as just writing in terms of like, like telling a story. It's just the story's not good and mm. the characters aren't good. Yeah. So he did get better. I'll say that, you know, like Armada was a better read in terms of like overall, but it was still full of like references, still full of thin characters uh, in terms of like, you know, developed and, 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 all, and ultimately a character, like the main character has all the answers and I, and I'm like, whatever, it's not that interesting. So Alex Roca didn't have all the answers. He was just, he wanted to get out, uh, get out of that trailer park and he did. You know, and I, and it's just kind of one of those is fun. It's fan. It's fantastical in the sense that he went to Rylos, but what kid growing up in a small town doesn't hope that they get their break to get out, you know? So I think it's a very relatable story. And one day maybe you'll join the rebel force and then you're leading people against the death star magically without explanation. <laughs> like how, like that, that jump for Luke is almost as fast as Alex Rogan. Oh yeah. It's just like, boom, you're leading people. Congratulations. Like what? I guess you're good. You know. And then you die an old pessimistic man. <laughs> oh wait, that's me. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's, that's going to do it for our discussion about Last Starfighter. If you've not seen it, highly recommend checking it out if you've not seen it in a long time check it out again and it is funny to me that we yeah. live in a world where it's you have to tell people like if you haven't seen the last starfighter because i'm just like who hasn't seen the last starfighter and i'm like anybody who's under like 35 well you know yeah. I, I watched it growing up and then um the cleveland cinemas a couple years ago this is actually a long couple years ago they had uh they do their 12 hours of terror and then obviously that one time of the 12 hours of terrible rest in peace uh they did a 12 hours of sci-fi and that was my first time re-seeing Starfighter as an adult. I got to see it in the theater. It, it was fun. I would like to see it in the theater. I've never seen it in the theater. Yeah, it was like I, they were like it was like that. And like Serenity was like the movie they played right after that. So it was a fun. It was a good sci-fi thing. So uh, it was a fun movie to see in the theater. And again, the score I might have to put on the Facebook page is amazing. So uh, so yeah, check it out. So that's going to do it for our talk about Last Starfighter. Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook. We're Invasion of the Podcast. We have a blog. Um, I have my year of the knockoff. It's you know another one's coming up. And we'll talk about that, our, our episode next here in a little bit. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Music. If you could, you know, if you can find us there, rate and review us. That'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, we have an email address. It's invadingpodcast at gmail.com. So if you have all your favorite Starfighter memories, you can share them with us. Or your Starfighter fan fiction. I don't know. Maybe you've built a Gunstar and, you, and it's in your backyard. I don't know. Um, and, and, where, and where can they find you as well, Steve? Uh, you can check me out at the Saturday Night Slasher dot com, uh, and also I will be appearing alongside my partner Ryan Cassandy at the Three Rivers Comic Con in May uh, in Pittsburgh, PA. So if you're out there, I believe it's May nineteenth and twentieth. Uh, we have a post about it on our page, or if you go to their page, you can actually see us as part of the uh, listed guests. Uh, and you're in that area, or you're like us and coming from Cleveland, come check it out. It's going to be some great guests there: Joe Jusco, Scott McDaniel. Uh, that's two that I named and now I'm blanking on the rest but uh, go check it out full guest list uh, a lot of great people being there yeah. they're putting comics back in Comic Con which is something I've been ranting about recently on on uh, the show perfect so. alright so I know you guys are just like itching for more 80s stuff so we're going to give you some more 80s references it's time to play the game time to play the game
So in honor of the last Starfighter, in honor of uh, Ready Player None, I, I I know what I said. Uh, we're gonna do a quick uh, Sweet Sixteen bracket of '80s things, and you'll see what we're doing here in a second. I think we got uh, movies, cartoon characters. Uh, I have fads and songs because as much as everybody's going to be in love with the 80s in a couple days, for as much fun as there was, there's some garbage there too. And I feel I like think we need- we're writing Ready, Ready Player Two right now. Oh, so <laughs> Klein is. I know that this is the, yeah. these are the references he should use. So um, I picked I picked two categories. He picked two. Uh, so we don't know what we had. So we're going to kind of battle it out a little bit. So we're going to like it's, it's like it's like in the March Madness the ba- baskets balls where you have the four different brackets and they all meet in the final four. So um, I don't know if you remember which one is which for you. I forget which ones I had of my two. Like I know one songs and one is a uh, uh, fads. Yeah. I didn't commit that to memory. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'll, I'll pick this one first. Um, this is one of yours. So I'm sure I'll figure it out in a second when I pull out two. All right. All right. So I got two here. So I have um, Glomer. From it's a punky Brewster. Is that the the cartoon? That's the weird popple looking thing, right? Yeah, he's yeah. like a magical leprechaun <clears throat> gopher. So, am I judging this on who would win or what's worse? Maybe Ooh, or more that's forgotten a good question. I don't think we discuss it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would say what's worse. Okay, because I have Turbo Team, which as terrifying as that is a real life thing, he's still kind of cool. So I feel like Glomer would probably beat uh, Turbo Team in terribleness. Okay, so yeah. I will. Keep yeah, I have to say that uh, Turbo Teen, as much as we are just ribbing uh, uh, Ernest Klein about using uh, references in his comics, there's actually or in his movies, in my comic, The Siren Slasher, we actually have a, a conversation about Turbo Teen. It's only <laughs> in one panel, but I did reference that in my own work. So, <laughs> all right. So then, what else we got here? We got a uh, uh, fuzzy tomato from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, all right. That's yeah. a good call. Um, Tracy the gorilla from Filmation's Ghostbusters. Oh, the the first Ghostbusters, not the real <laughs> Ghostbusters, right? right? Yeah, oh, they, they yeah. kind of tried to beat Ghostbusters to the the punch when it came to their animated series, in the sense that they'd already done a live action TV series. So, like, we'll do a cartoon, and kids will watch it and be duped. Yeah, I've never actually seen this Ghostbusters, so I don't know how yeah, lame. It's terrible. This. Okay, <laughs> um, that or the fuzzy tomato. Like, I I know the fuzzy. Yeah, Fuzzy tomato that turned into a girl, didn't it? Like they ended up like, or she was a girl. They turned. I forget. I I don't she, remember, but I'd forgotten that there was also an a, a Attack of the Killer Tomatoes cartoon featuring Fuzzy Tomatoes. So oh. that's where I I grabbed it from. So okay, well I'm gonna go with the uh, the dumb gorilla from the real the Ghostbusters, not the real Ghostbusters, the other Ghostbusters. So we got those two. So what we'll do, we'll go through each of these once, and then we'll keep rotating until we get to our final four. Fair enough. Um, because I want I want these references to battle it out until we get to have to make the hard decisions here. So what else we have here? We have um, butter butter beans butter bear butter bear butter bear the wuzzles um, and cupcake. The Fonz and the Happy Days Gang. Yeah, what is that? So alrighty, so the wuzzles was like it was supposed to be like a Care Bears type thing, except it was like you took an animal and like put two things together so like butter bear is a butterfly and a bear put together oh i thought it was just a bear and some butter (laughs) and then uh yeah back in the early 80s they had this thing where they took uh 
primetime television shows and then made cartoons out of them. So there was a series called Fonz and the Happy Days Gang, which involved Cupcake, who was a futuristic time traveler who popped up uh, for no reason at all and took the gang on adventures. Well, I remember there was Gilligan's Planet. Yes. There's, like, yeah. there's also Uh-oh. a uh, Laverne and Shirley show and a Mork and Mindy show. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with the, the time traveling thing. So they could be like, we need to go back and stop Fonz from jumping <laughs> over the shark. So... All right. He was too cool. He's like, hey, and it didn't happen. All right, so we got Kid Video. Why do I know that one? I know that one, but that's, uh, what else we got here? And Rubik the Amazing Cube. Yeah, that one's pretty. There was the Rubik Rubik's Cube cartoon where mm-hmm. Rubik was a cube with a face and legs, and it was weird looking. Yeah, it was not a good design. <laughs> And then Kid Video, I know the name. I can't. I'm not placing the image of the character. So what's interesting about Kid Video is is that it was it, it starts off every episode live action, and then like they get sucked into the world of Kid Video, and it becomes animated by a character named Master Blaster, uh, which <laughs> not related to the one from uh, Mad Max. No, no. Um, but sorry, it, the Road Warrior. It becomes a cartoon after that point, and uh, it's equally terrible. I think actually on New Year's, my wife had brought it up to me, and I was like. Well, let's check it out because there's a bunch of clips on YouTube. I think we watched like two episodes <laughs> on New Year's because it's what you do when you're in for- your 40s um, on New Year's. But uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty awful. It's got to fire up the kid video machine. So, yeah, while I was doing this research, I was like, I was like, you know, let's go on YouTube and try to like type in like 80s fads or 80s toys. It is just a desolate hellscape of shitty videos people put together. <laughs> um, like one was just it was six minutes of just like uh, fade wipes and all these other things of toys, and you hear um, "Don't you forget about me," uh, you know, from the Breakfast Club, because mm-hmm. of course you do, and like it was all these just images. It was like Power Wheels, Hot Wheels, GI Joe, <laughs> and then every so often there would be like a little kind of comment about like, "Gee, I wonder why this didn't make it," or um, like we were allowed to play Doctor back then. Like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, like because they showed a doctor set it wasn't it wasn't just like weird you know we were allowed to play doctor yeah, it was this weird stuff and i'm just like and it had like sixty thousand views i'm like well i'm in the wrong business i just need to just do a bunch of videos of like hey guys here's a song you know and here's pictures of things you remember and by the way i just unrelated radio player one comes out on thursday <laughs> um but i was like it was just blowing my mind then there's these whole big collections like hour-long collections of just nothing but like commercials from the 80s for toys yeah and it hurts it hurts to sit there and watch that over and over and over and over and over again you know so i didn't get very far like <laughs> so um but yeah if you want to pick one of my brackets i forget which one one of these is fads and i'll explain them and if my handwriting's bad i'll read it out and one of them is songs the songs one they were all number one songs during the 80s so okay. just to iterate they were popular all right, so we've got here, I'm going to guess this is songs, because I've okay. got Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham. Okay. And then it is going up against, uh, and that's upside down. All righty, uh, Kokomo by the Beach Boys. <laughs> nice. I used to actually really be into that song for about uh, <laughs> two weeks in 1980. There was a Kokomo like, face. 87. <laughs> so are we going by which one's more awful? Yeah, I just like okay. Like I, when I when I picked Kokomo, my wife was like, "I love that song." And I was like, 
I was like, I'm sorry. Like, and she's like, I was raised with the Beach Boys. I'm like, and they've done much better music than this. Yeah. And, and anybody associated with the writing of that song can't understand how it became popular. Like, if I remember right, they even even Weird Al got his hands on it for like a minute as like a ghostwriter, and it was like, I don't know what's going on with this. I feel like it was because it was in the movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise. That, yeah, like, that feels feel about like, right. And then you know they brought in Stamos, and then uh, you know it just blew up from there because I believe he's drumming in that video. If I'm, if I don't want to even go find it. <laughs> so, and, and then wake me up before you go. Go like Wham has some other better songs. I just think that song just, I think because of Zoolander, people like it now, and it was catchy at the time. I don't think it's aged well. Yeah, I mean, so this is probably revealing too much, but like every once in a while we'll, because uh, uh, I don't know, my wife and I are weird, we'll like <laughs> stick like the, our our animals' names into um, songs and things like that. And our cat Bowie, um, who was named after David Bowie, we then put him into much worse songs than David Bowie's catalog. But we would always say, wake me up before you Bobo, because... <laughs> We're apparently four. That um, you know that also works if you have a clown in your house. Yes. Right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with. Uh, uh, oh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go" as less terrible. So we'll we'll so you're gonna leave Kokomo in there. We'll in leave the Kokomo okay. in there. Good, because that was my heavy hitter. Like, the, the, goddamn that song. All right. <laughs> and I'm just now thinking back to like you know 1987. You know, a chubby Steve running around. <laughs> In his California Raisins t-shirt singing, come on. Oh, with your Ron John surf shop yeah. like, shirt. All righty. So next up we've got, uh, oh no. What this is, is a song I actually like. Uh-oh. Uh, say, Say, Say by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Okay, if you like it, that's fine. I, I will just... say that like I have been unable to listen to Michael Jackson for a very long time, ever since like the allegations happened 20 years ago. Uh, so it's not something that I enjoy anymore, but it was a song that I really used to like. Um, I don't, then, just, the video annoys me. Maybe that's why uh, <laughs> I don't like that song so much. Uh, I, this one's gonna win out anyways. It's blame it on the rain, Millie Vanilli, hands down, more terrible. So, so that one, you want that one to go on the Millie Vanilli? Yes, okay. Millie Vanilli goes in. All right, alrighty, uh-huh. and then the the next two we've got here uh, are. Alrighty, why <laughs> I keep opening them upside down and then I look at them and I'm like, why can't I read this? Uh, oh, Hanging Tough by the New the Kids, Kids on, on the, the Black. Block. That's a bad song. Oh, that is bad. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, more responsible for Donnie or Mark Wahlberg. But well, I hope both... in your cartoon. Well, you know, you didn't put New Kids on the Block in your cartoon, Ben. Because no. they, they, they had the ABC cartoon. I forgot about that. With, well, MC Hammer did too. <sighs> All right. So it's going up against Wild Wild West by uh, Escape, the Escape Club. Club. And that one's far better than Hanging Tough. <laughs> so. Yeah, Hanging I, Tough makes it into the pile. I like Wild Wild West, but that's still not a great song. <laughs> I had to acknowledge that about myself. Just because it's not a great song, and I still like it. So, <laughs> alrighty. And then, lastly, here for this category, I've got uh, we built this city. Oh, Starship, the, the first uh, Starship reference uh, on the show. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there was an episode we talked all about Mannequin. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to tip my hat, but Mannequin might reappear in this episode. <laughs> uh, and then Lean on Me. Oh. By Club uh, Club. Uh, uh, 
what's it? Nouveau. Nouveau. Club, yeah. I just that version annoys me. I just hate the little oh. like the little beat behind it. It annoys the piss out of All me. All right, we. I don't know. I kind of like we built this, <laughs> uh, but we'll put that into the, the, okay, the so Isle Starship. of Terror. Starship goes. Starship on. makes right. it in. So let me let me uh, go with. The, so we got uh, cart. Not cartoons. This is TV shows. This is movies. 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 So, all right. So first movie is oh. So we have character Gwildor from Master the Universe, and we're done here because that's <laughs> like it's going to be interesting. We probably have like Gwildor versus a certain song. We'll see how that goes. Right. Uh, next one is uh, <laughs> Don the Horse. From Hot to Trot, voiced by Bobcat <laughs> Goldflake. Oh, no, no, Bobcat is there. The yeah. voice. Who does the voice of the horse? Uh, oh, shoot. Because um, Bobcat's in the movie. Yeah, it's Bobcat. Is it, is it John Candy that does the voice of the horse? I think it's John Candy, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Gwildor's going to win, but that's a that's a deep <laughs> cut. Wow. I, I watched that movie a lot as a kid. I don't even That's not a kid's movie at all. Well, like, like when I had cartoons, it's like I can include Orko. But Gwildor is clearly yes. the bigger winner. Find that goddamn cosmic key. All right, so I got Young Einstein with Yahoo Serious, <laughs> where he split the beer at him, and we have Cybok from Star Trek Five. <laughs> that is, uh, that's Spock's uh, brother. Spock's brother, and Star Trek Five is the worst <laughs> Star Trek. Um, oh man. Um, I'm gonna go with Young Einstein because I feel like that. Speaking of fads, like America's love affair with Australia, like was there and then gone. And yeah, then Yahoo Serious was there and then gone. He had like a year period yeah. where it was the biggest thing, and then uh, Rambo, the dog from Mannequin. I was like, I thought you were gonna be like Meshack Taylor for Mannequin. Um, and oh, uh, uh, oh, because <laughs> I feel like George W. Bush when I say this. Uh, nuclear man i always mess up that word not man from superman 4 oh got some canon love here i'm gonna go um because i feel like superman 4 is a much more of a bigger atrocity than mannequin is i gotta go with uh nuclear man all right yeah nuclear see i can't do it because if i start saying i'm gonna mess it up again it's so bad atomic man um all right anyone from police academy (laughs) You don't like the Police Academy movies? No, I mean they're fine. I had a, you know, I liked them as a kid, but uh, revisiting them as adult, they're a, a, a not, they're not as fondly remembered as I. Um, I mean, Commandant Lassard. I mean, come on, no. But like watching those collections of toy toy commercials, there was once for Police Academy. I'm like, you do not make toys. Yeah, for, but there's a Police Academy cartoon. cartoon. Thing, yeah. All right, so I have Captain Ty Everett from Caddyshack Two. I don't remember anything about Caddyshack 2 other than Chevy Chase was in it, right? Yeah, that's the yeah. Dan Aykroyd trying to do a Bill Murray type character uh, in that movie. No, and it's I don't remember. Awful. Re- you know what? No, no. How oh, did I throw that away? But yeah. Because anyway, but there's some people in Police Academy. I'm, to be whatever. fair, I had written down uh, Proctor from Police Academy, who's from, he's in like two through four. Uh, he's like kind of the weird nerdy one with the. the uh, uh, whatever he's what gets picked on a lot right well you're thinking of Fackler Proctor's sort of like the, he's like the lackey of uh, the the if the films oh, have villains oh yeah 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 okay yeah. yeah I just I remember Hightower I remember Tackleberry I remember oh what's her face that was real quiet and then she'd get real loud if you pushed mm-hmm. her um yeah. So anyway, so that's 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 movies. So we can move on to fads. Then I'll probably explain why these annoy me. Well, I did grow up in the '80s, so hopefully I will remember some of these. Although, ask anyone, I wasn't very conscious fashion back 
I'm yeah, I'm not very fashion conscious. conscious right now either. So even already, though, yeah. so uh, body glove and or Ocean Pacific. Like so, I bring that up because I guess body glove existed for the '80s. I wouldn't know that. Ocean Pacific. I mentioned Ron John. Um, there was just this weird surf skate wear fad. That like even if you didn't surf or like or skateboard, you had to have like o- Ocean Pacific wasn't really a skate thing, but I remember it was always that guy with the pit helmet, you know, yeah. and it was like you always had to have that was the coolest thing and the body glove. I remember body glove shirts. I I lived in a landlocked state of West Virginia. There's no surfing in West Virginia, and skateboarding is questionable at best because there's no good level parking lots. But yet I was around all this stuff. Yeah, I was a skateboarder for about two years, and I consistently... It's the same reason that like I don't do home improvements. I consistently hurt myself every time I got on a skateboard. Uh, every time I pick up a park tool, I consistently hurt myself. So um, I, I was a skateboarder for about two years. I mean, along with the body glove stuff, there was always the uh, sex wax shirts, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, th- I think, uh, you know, definitely Body Glove is going to lose out here because this is a far worse fad. The baby on board signs, and I'm pretty sure this might be the all-time winner. Cause it's- I forgot that was in the 80s until I started digging through stuff because you still see them. It's like, yeah. why is why is the life in your car, like, why aren't you more, like, don't you care about me? I'm driving my car. Like, I don't <laughs> understand that. Like, I just... Oh, great. You're a parent and you have a kid. And we should all be conscious of people in cars anyway and drive safely, regardless of the age of the life form in it. Yes. As I get angry and just throw things. <laughs> I yeah. will drive less like a jerk now because you have a kid. So. Yeah. Uh, baby so. on board. Something, something. Burt Ward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. All righty. So up next we have... Uh, if you can't members only jackets for whatever reason i was reading memoirs of a geisha i don't know why uh members only jackets um and paul found the greatest photo ever of a member if you guys go to wikipedia and just type in members only it'll bring up the page about it and it has the greatest weirdest photo of a gentleman wearing a members only jacket and he looks like he's at a homeless shelter or something and the caption says member wearing jacket it is the most wonderful weird internet thing i've found in a long time that like Purposely is put there as a joke, but someone was playing the long game thinking no one will ever check the members only Wikipedia page. All right. So this next one, I'm going to apologize, is going to come with a story. Uh, the next one is Swatches. <laughs> um, two things about Swatches. You're a big one, Parker Lewis fan. I was, I actually. But uh, <laughs> so when I and my wife were in uh, Scotland uh, two years ago, uh, there was a Swatch store. We didn't go in, but like there was a store that sold swatches we were like oh my i was like hey i'm like that's still a thing like wow but also um when i was eighth grade i got a swatch for christmas it was a a mirror swatch so like i could also look at my beautiful face at the same time while i looked at look for the time uh but if you remember correctly one of the things that they sold about swatch that they sold with swatches were swatch guards like, do you remember Swatch the, the, the Guards? Weird, like, it looks like a little hourglass band that goes yeah. over the top. Of, so you couldn't see the watch face entirely, but you could protect your Swatch. Yeah, and it's it's uh, over probably 25 years. Well, it's probably 30 years later now at this point. I can say that uh, 
I was a pretty badass uh, kid when I was in eighth grade, and I stole a swatch guard from the May Company in the Sandusky Mall. <laughs> Come get me. Oh, they're coming. There's no there's no statute of limitations on swatch theft. Yeah. Swatch-related theft. To be fair, I'm a terrible cl- criminal, and like uh, it's the only thing I've ever stolen. I'm, I was terrified the entire time <laughs> over like a you know, two-cent piece of plastic that they were selling for probably $4. But uh, yeah, that's, I, just, uh, I just remember they were being annoying because the one thing that was brought up when I was looking up the stuff is that people would wear multiple swatches and that's just annoying. Oh, yeah. And unless you're trying to time trains across the country and figure out where things are going or what's going on with all the stock exchanges in the world, you don't need multiple watches on your wrists, you know. So I just remember that and I remember being annoyed. Well, members only jackets go in only because of the photo. Okay. So, all right. So swatch does not go on. Swatches do not go okay. on. Because they're secretly, secretly great. Um, and then uh, up next, we've got... Uh, uh, what does this say here? Oh, where's the beef? Yeah. I... I- <laughs> <laughs> just there were it seemed like in the 80s there was became this big thing of catchphrases and it, it got i mean it's still going on right uh, but like where's the beef it's like you think about it in hindsight it was for wendy's i think it was yes. and the whole thing was the old lady being like where's the beef talking about like like mcdonald's at the time not having meat in their burgers right but it's like it became this thing i remember as a kid i don't know why i had a pencil pencil pouch that had an old lady with the face on it said, where's the beef? Like, that has no context of why I'd be storing pencils in a pouch. So uh, during uh, the times when Big Fun was not closing a few years ago, uh, my wife and I went there and uh, she bought a where's the beef card game. Oh. Because there was a, a card game based on it from the 80s. We still haven't played it, but it's it's in with the, our other board games that we've got sitting there ready to play. So, Well, at least they tried. At, it, least, at least the question of where's the beef, it seems like at least it would be something that would apply to a card game. Yeah. You know, so. Um, and then this next one here is a dark spot in my history. It's the mullet. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mine too. My uh, my. I didn't wife, realize this was an '80s thing. <laughs> my wife uh, has this photo of me that she—it's like her favorite photo of me, and I hate it to death. It's—it's <laughs> uh, it's me uh, with my sweet permed mullet in the back and like spiked in the front, and uh, uh, she put it on my cake for I think like uh, my 38th birthday or what? <laughs> I don't remember which birthday it was specifically, but yeah, she made that the photo that was on my cake and. It's like the bane of my existence now. Yeah, I had a mullet growing up for a little bit, but it was more like the southerner mullet, like like mullet, like whatever that is. But like like you look at it, like you look at eighties figures like Rob Lowe, they had mullets. Yeah, but it was like that yuppie mullet. But I had like the disgusting mullet. You know, I had like the Joe Dirt mullet. Yeah. The disgusting mullet. Yeah. Did you did you have a rat tail at one point? Um, I never had a rat tail. I always felt like, but then there's kids that's grown up that would have their like their entire head shaved except for a rat tail. None yeah. of that ever made any sense to me. <laughs> well, uh, the mullet is going on because it's it's by far the oh, worst so, yeah. fad uh, that I can think of. And then uh, coming up here on the last two, uh, although I'm going through this childhood where I'm like, now I'm getting oddly you know, uh, nostalgic for mullets and swatches and Kokomo. Um, we've got... Uh, <laughs> Oh my god. British Knights. I completely forgot about British Knights. British Knights were like the coolest shoes for like six months. And they, um, they were like somewhat affordable versus all the other shoes. Yeah. Yeah. But you they, gotta get those BK Knights. British but the, but Knights. yeah, BK you know, they were nice. British Knights. BKs. 
Yeah, and then slap bracelets, which I had completely forgotten about. Like when my wife and I first started dating, I saw that they were selling slap bracelets, and I was like, "I'm like, oh, this is kind of weird." She's like, "They used to sell those when we were kids." I'm like, "I wasn't a girl. I don't remember." But yeah, <laughs> um, I, I oof, which one's worse though? I don't know. I don't know if British knights are worse. I just remember that's there's a shoe line people had to have that doesn't exist anymore. I almost put down the Reebok pump because I thought the pump did nothing, but I guess it actually had a nice way of locking the ankle in. Mm-hmm. Everybody had to have the pump, and then every company made knockoff pumps. I remember that so yeah there was a whole fad where you were you know pumping up your shoes <laughs> yeah. for no reason at all do you remember la gear oh yeah, yeah. I, like so they had they had a series called street hiker i think it was that was like like joe montana was like associated with it i once i once accidentally asked for the street walker shoes <laughs> <laughs> It's like that's not what they're called. I'm like, I didn't realize what I was saying. I was like, can I get this LA Gear Streetwalkers? Yeah. So have you uh, have you ever seen the movie uh, Sisters with uh, Tina Fey and uh, no. Amy Poehler? Okay, there's a point in the movie where they pull out this gigantic thing of Depp. Do you remember Depp hair gel? I probably saw it. It was the it was the hair gel that I used in high school, and I was like, oh my god, I don't think I've seen a jar of Depp in like <laughs> 20 years. Uh, it's interesting how those memories come flooding back, but I think British Knights has to go in. Uh, oh God! Well, you know, uh, slap bracelets just because they'd hurt you. They they would wear they'd wear eventually, and like the fabric wear, and you could actually cut your wrist. I feel All like right, that was we'll, a danger. we'll leave slap bracelets in. Okay, because deep in my heart, I'm still like maybe I should have had some British Knights <laughs> instead of my Converse that I bought. All right, so next round, so we're down to uh, eight. No. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I can't do math. Yeah, we're down to eight. So, all right. So this is me knocking over the microphone. This is me. What? What? I forget which one this is. I think this is the the movies. Yeah, movies. Uh, Gwildor, Masters of the Universe versus Young Einstein. I still hate Gwildor more than Yahoo Serious. So, I think Gwildor is going to move on to um, the final the final eight or the lead eight. Is that what you call it? Anyway, I don't know sports. <laughs> Captain Ty Everett from Caddyshack Two. And Atomic Man from Superman 4. I'm going to go with Nuclear Man up against Gwildor for the final spot there. So we'll get to them in a second. They're both canon films. Yeah. (laughs) Shit, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And they both suffered horribly from budget issues. So, all right. And yet, I still prefer Superman 4 to Superman 3. I don't know why. (laughs) I have not watched 3 or 4 in a long time. I remember at the time as a kid liking four because of that other guy that I can't say his name right. Um, all right, so all right. Oh, you know what? Here, I'm sorry, I'm moving ahead. So how about you grab songs or fads, and we'll move on to those. All righty. So I have again. I've got uh, blame it on the rain going up against. Uh, we built this city. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I think one of them automatically has to go in just because, and it's probably going to keep going this way simply because it wasn't really them. I, I feel like Blame It on the Rain is far worse than We Built the City. That's fair. You know, uh, I mean, I guess if I have any sort of standards when it comes to my music, I guess. You I just like how be- Jefferson Airplane went from Jefferson Airplane to Jefferson Starship to Starship. Like they just have kept slowly sliding off the scale. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is interesting. I guess I never really thought about it that way, but uh, I always think of uh, Light of Day for some reason, and then I realize, oh, no, that's not them at all. It's, uh, oh, crap. 
And now I can't remember her <laughs> name. So Joan Jett. Oh. So, uh, alrighty. So uh, this is a real, uh, real masterful or not masterful, <laughs> a, a large fight here between Kokomo by the Beach Boys and Hanging Tough by uh, the uh, New Kids on the Block. I gotta say, Hanging Tough is oh. worse. I keep I, knocking stuff over. I'm so sorry that this is not fully work. I'm just, I'm just angry. <laughs> he really wanted Kokomo to go on, but yeah. I, I feel like Hanging Tough is worse. I'm sorry. I'm calling heresy on that, but that's fine. All right, because um, Kokomo is the worst song ever made. All right, so, all right, last one. So we got cartoons here. On to our elite eight, I think, whatever numbers are. Uh, Rubik the Amazing Cube. And cupcake, uh, the Fonz and the Happy Days Gang. I'm gonna go with Rubik because that's just uh, like you're doing. You're doing a cartoon based upon a cube that you have to like that does nothing other than you turn it in best colors. So I feel like that was a losing proposition to begin with. Glomer from Punky Brewster versus Tracy the Gorilla from Filmation's Ghostbusters. Since I don't know Tracy, I'm gonna go with Glomer, um, which feels like that's the Orco of the Punky Brewster world. Yeah, All yeah. Right. All right. So then we got. Uh, Fads. Fads coming up here. For our lead eight. Alrighty, we've got Oh, the mullet. <laughs> if ever there was a haircut. Uh going up against the uh baby on board. <laughs> oh that's really, really tough. Wow, they're both terrible. Um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go the mullet. Bullet's going to go on? Because it, it still exists. I mean, yeah, I guess the baby on board does, but yeah. like the mullet, I mean, I guess ugh, there's no winner out of that. Uh, That's fair. That's like the aliens versus predator, right? Yeah. Like whoever wins, we lose. <laughs> All righty. We got slap bracelets going up against, uh, and I should remember this because we just talked about this. Uh, members only jackets. Sorry, slap bracelets, but member ja- members only jackets are going on to the final four. All right, so elite eight. So we got elite eight. Yeah, whatever. So we're almost done. So we, let's let's uh, we promise you guys our terrible terrible references will not go on much longer until the next episode. Um, until right, they so. pop up in Ready Player Two. Ready Player Two. Which Everyone is, wears members. Jo- <laughs> yeah, members, members only. only. Ready Player Two members only. So we got Gwildor versus Nuclear Man. I'm going to go Gwildor because him and that stupid cosmic key. And then he also, he wanted to, he, did he steal chicken from man at arms? I feel like there was a whole bit there too. He was just yes. annoying. He was just annoying. F, F Gwildor. That's what I'll say about that. So he'll move on. So he's in our final four. Gwildor is in someone's final four. <laughs> I don't even think that when they wrote Gwildor, they thought that he would make any kind of an impact, <laughs> let alone. They're uh, like, can we have an Orko character that doesn't fly and that is twice as annoying? Yeah. It's a weird uh, decision, too. And why did he look like sort of like a elf with elephantitis? Like, he, <laughs> <laughs> it's this really weird there's a, yeah, there's a lot of questions that they're going to answer in the second movie. <laughs> I guess so. All righty. So we've got uh, Blame It on the Rain versus Hanging Tough. <laughs> Ooh, wow. You can't get more terrible 80s than that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean,. I feel like Blame It on the Rain's got to go on. <laughs> All right. So Blame It on the Rain makes it. And then. Oh, yeah. Go, oh, ahead. Yeah, go, go oh, ahead. Okay. So I got uh, film characters. I got. Uh, oh, that's cartoons already. What, wait, no. Did I do that? 
What did I do here by accident? Oh, never mind. I don't know. I don't know my things. All right. Oh, because one was cartoons and one was uh, movie characters. And I kept thinking Gwildor's a cartoon character. That's I'm just lost. I'm lost with my life right now. All right. <laughs> so Rubik the Amazing Cube versus Glomer. I'm going to go with Rubik because it's still a really lame cartoon character. So Rubik's in the final four. All righty. And then we've got members only jackets. I think we smell a winner versus all oh, the mullet. Oh, no. <laughs> Together. That's a good night on the town. Together. You get the character Steve from Stranger Things. With his beautiful hair and his to, members only jacket. To be fair, though, I believe both of those things are in the photo that you found on Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh man, I hate to do it because that photo is so great, but I feel like the mullet's got to go on. All right, so our final four. We so we're gonna do this. We're gonna do movie movie characters versus cartoon characters for this part of the bracket. So we got Gwildor versus Rubik, the Amazing Cube, the not so Amazing Cube. I'm gonna still choose Gwildor. Because I've never watched Rubik the cartoon. I knew it existed and it sounded terrible. I would always probably change to something more appropriate because I don't know what channel it was on, but I wasn't watching it. So Gwildor moves on to the final for me. All right. And we have the mullet going up against Blame It on the Rain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I I don't know which one has inflicted more pain on humankind. Probably the mullet. Yeah. I just think from a sociopolitical standpoint, I think the mullet has caused more damage. Are we putting... Gwildor up against the mullet. <laughs> yes, we are. Oh. It's Gwildor versus the mullet. Um, I'd almost leave this up to the listeners, but I feel like a Facebook post of, hey guys, could you vote for the mullet or Gwildor? People would just be confused and angry. So, um, <laughs> Facebook post. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like, um, I feel like for me, the mullet's going to go on just because I think more people have seen a mullet and have been affected by a mullet than they have been by Masters of the Universe and Gwildor. Uh, I like how you say it like my heart will go on, but like my mullet will go on. It's yes. Been, it's affected more people. I think it has. Do you or someone you know? <laughs> <laughs> Suffering from mullet? <laughs> well, are they always partying in the back and having business in the front? Even like, Superman had a mullet at one point. That's so. true. Yeah. So, <sighs> yeah. So you think the mullet's the worst thing to come out of the 80s? I don't know. It's I, I feel I, it's, like it's, it's up there. Yeah. I mean... I don't know that Gwildor can compete with the awfulness of the mullet. That's true. So, all right. So that's your that's your wonderful bracket of terrible ladies things. I hope you guys enjoyed that. that I hope I didn't laugh too much because yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. That one. was a lot of fun. Um, so, all right. So next week, I know we had just done a year of the knockoff last week, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, we're doing another one next week, not because we want to do it every other week. It's just there's a programming reason for this. So we're going to be taking a look at 1973's The Exorcist, which I'm sure you guys have seen. And then 1974's film uh, called Abby, which is um, it's also a possession film, and we'll we'll leave more into what that that's about till next week. However, uh, there is a convention that we do attend, a cinema wasteland that we've talked about uh, that is coming up uh, the 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 first full weekend of April. And some of the people that are associated with the film Abbey are going to be there. So we figure, you know what? Let's watch the movie before we go to Cinema Wasteland because if we end up enjoying the film a great deal, we get to talk to people to help make the film. And I think that'd be a lot of fun to kind of say, hey, we saw this really um, not unknown but lesser known uh, possession film that came a year after The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, just the fact that, uh, you know, The Exorcist is one of those movies that uh, I – 
only revisit under special conditions. Me like, too. I will not watch it by myself. Yeah. It scares the shit out of me. <laughs> and we'll talk more about that next week. So it'll be a good reason to sit down and watch it. So. <laughs> Just thinking about the spider walk right now makes me terrified. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, next week, you're the knockoff uh, for The Exorcist and Abby. We'll be joined by special guest Kevin, who is my co-host on uh, Strange Highways, because I feel like he will have a better, uh, better foundation for the genre uh, for some of the for some of the stuff we'll be talking about, and you guys will understand when we get there. So it'll be a lot of fun. Till then, uh, keep rocking your mullets and your swatches and your slap bracelets and and whatever else. And uh, don't support Gildor and don't listen to Kokomo. That's what I say. I say listen to Kokomo. <laughs> yeah, on your way to go watch Ready Player One. <laughs> All right.